Answer, answer this question for me. If there truly is an all-powerful and all-loving God, then why is there evil in the world? Because the world's rejected him. Yes. And so how would you answer an atheist, Alan, that said that? I'd say the same. And he'd go. What does his love look like? Yeah. Oh, good, Tim. That's very good. See, it's, that's a common, it's a common objection that many atheists, and like, not even atheists, like just people that are just blah about God, they, uh, you, you talk to them. Like we have friends that mention that. They just, they just can't get around the fact that there's this evil in the world. And it's, um, like, why is it there? You know, if God really loves us, God really loves humans, and he's all-powerful, why doesn't he just take it all away? Like, yeah, we affirm, we believe God's loving, He's good. God's all-powerful, yeah. But we look around us and there's, like, really trash stuff happening in the world. There's a lot of evil in the world. So why? Why, Rick? Yeah. Yeah. So why doesn't He just... Why doesn't He fix it? Why doesn't He just take it all out of the world? He wants genuine worshippers. Mm. Not robots, that's right, Drew. Good work. So anyway, let's have a look at this, this, this predicament through the second parable of Matthew. Remember last time I was up here? We talked about the four soils. Uh, let's, um, we're going to look at the second parable in that chapter, Matthew chapter 13 today. Um, if, you're, if you're reading from the old King Jimmy, which I was brought up on, it'll be the wheat and the tares. Nice scarf, mate, nice scarf. Um, it'll be the wheat and the tares, which is just this really crazy, ominous-sounding bad thing. But um, for a lot of modern uh, translations, it'll be um, the parable of the weeds. So let's jump into it, Matthew chapter 13, verse 24. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, an enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, no. Lest in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And the harvest time, I'll tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. Jesus then goes on uh, in, this, in this chapter that Matthew's recorded. He tells a story about a little seed, tells a story about some yeast. And we'll continue down to his explanation of this parable. Verse 36. So uh, last week we talked about like the hearing posture towards parables, that parables expose in a person, the way it sort of draws people out of a crowd to want to know more. Um, this is the disciples coming to Jesus. They want to lean in and listen. They want to know a bit more about this. 
verse 36, then he left the crowd and went into the house. And his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send His angels and they will gather out of His kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let him hear. And you have ears. You should listen. Thanks, Mouse. I was just going to scoot over and grab that. So, a man, a master, Jesus, as he refers himself to, the Son of Man, which is that reference from Daniel that he loves to go around referring to himself as. He's here, he's sown good seed into a field, these true kingdom followers of his throughout the whole world. And then in comes this sinister figure, this man's enemy, the devil, as Jesus calls him. And he sows weeds into this field, as Jesus then explains it. These, this is evil, this is all causes of sin, all lawbreakers, the evil ones. So, on the surface, what do we see in the field? What do we see, Tay? The weeds, yep, growing up, but wheat growing up with the weeds and there's no difference between the two until what happens and then the workers go, whoa, there's weeds here. What, what shows them that there's weeds there? Mm, the fruit, when, the, when the, the wheat's grown up and there's grain coming into the top, the workers say, hey, this is not wheat. This looks like it, but it's not. And then they come, to the, they come to the master and they say, Master, you sowed good seed in the field. Like, where did these weeds come from? Isn't that the, the case that we were think, thinking about at the start? Like, it's that same sort of premise that, that these workers come at. They come at from the point of saying, uh, Master, or you're good. Why is there weeds here? And it's the same that premise that we come with when we hear that objection. We, we know God's good and loving, but why is there bad stuff? Why is there evil here? If God's all loving and He's all powerful, then why, why is there this evil here? Why? Let's look at the master's reply to his servants then. This, this question as to why weeds. He just comes to them and it's just this simple thing. He says, an enemy has done this. An enemy's done this. 
The devil, as Jesus has explained, he's, he's thrown his seed into this world and then out of this permeating through this great world, this great kingdom is just causes a brokenness and busted upness. And it's just and it's permeated through this whole kingdom. There's this wrongness growing up in this in this right kingdom that the master's made because of this enemy. So time to put myself in the position of this servant that's questioning why is there evil? A couple of weeks ago, I know the parks probably had a really relaxing week lining up to, leading up to Gabby's birthday. Birthday? Wedding. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. It's been a long week, a couple of, long, long couple of weeks. So while the parks were leading up for Gabby and Estian's wedding, having a nice relaxing time, just you know, getting nails did and um, having cocktails and stuff, um, I was painting my house. I was, I was um, in my, took a couple of weeks off to paint the outside, finish off the inside. It's still not completely done, by the way, but um, spoiler alert. Um, and I was up, you know, Camille was out shopping and I was at... Um, I was up, up a ladder, I was painting the window frames on the outside and I was listening to podcasts in my you know, like earphones and uh, my phone rang and I thought, oh, it's probably just someone from work, just didn't see that I was not at work, so I answered it and then it was just this really strange sort of silence on the line, a bit of sort of backwards talking and then, then the person on the phone says, is this Ben? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, are you the husband of Camille McIntyre? And I was like, yeah. Oh, okay, that's good because Camille's just collapsed in Kmart and um, your little girl's here with her and we just didn't know what to do. We've called the ambulance and um, they're coming. They're coming, so you should probably just go and meet them at the hospital. They're going to take her to the hospital. And Camille had been having a few panic attacks and different things. And um, so I was like, oh, wow, okay, thank you for calling me. I was a little bit worried about Z, just um, there by herself as well, but she was a brave girl. Um, and so I, 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 quick, I thought, oh, well, there's going to be a bit of time uh, while the ambulance takes her to hospital. I'll go inside, have a shower because I stink. And as I was, I just got really, really angry. I just... I started um, yelling at, at God and sort of demanding like I would to my kids on my bad days, um, just demanding that he take this away. Like, take it away, Lord. Like, take it away. Take, take this anxiety away. And I was yelling in the shower while I'm doing this. I'm just sort of losing, losing control a little bit. And while I was having a shower, I had been thinking about this, this parable and um, I, it, it sort of dawned on me, it made sense that I was putting myself, I was in the shoes of this, these servants, okay? I was just saying, why, God? Like, take these weeds away. Like, what, what do we do? Like, why is, why is it here? And just, I was just completely, I don't know, in fear, selfishness, whatever was going on in my mind. I was just having this sort of cognitive disconnect. I was just completely forgetting all the good stuff that I was learning and I was just raging out of this um, sort of base instinct. Of just, I just wanted things to be right and I wanted God to make things right and I wanted the anxiety to be gone. 
And um, I realized that I was in the same position as these servants. These servants see these weeds. They see this wrong stuff in the world and they want it gone. And they say, look, what can we do about it? So they come to the master. And they say, should we get out the roundup or the chippo? It's effectively what they're saying. And then notice what the master says. What does Jesus say here? He says, no. Because while you're doing that, you're probably going to rip out some good wheat. Let the good wheat and the weeds grow together. And then when it's harvest time and those wheat heads are nice and fat, then my reapers, then the angels, they're going to go in, they're going to carefully pull out all that wrong stuff, all the weeds, they're going to extract it out and put it over there in a pile to be burned and gotten rid of forever. It's going to be burnt, it's going to be completely destroyed. And then what's left, all the good wheat, I'm going to gather and put it into my barn. And so, it's, this was really, really confusing to me because, just, just thinking about this, because it looks to me like the master doesn't trust his servants to completely know the difference between young wheat, like a young crop that's yet to bear fruit, and a weed. It's like he doesn't trust them, or they're not experienced enough to know the difference between the two. And so in their, in their eagerness to please, they might just start getting in there and just getting a bit brash and a bit hasty and just ripping weeds out up by the roots and then they're pulling young wheat out as well or you know, they could be just not seeing, just pulling wheat out when it's actually a weed. Sorry, they could just be, yeah, that's right. They could be pulling wheat out thinking it's a weed. It's, it's really strange and like, you know, like if you're a veggie gardener and you get, you know, those little punnets of um, like little seedlings and sometimes they've put like a few seeds in the one and then when you're planting them out, you're trying to separate all these little plants and you just destroy all of them because they've got all their weeds, they've, sorry, all their roots, they've just all grown together and you can't get any of them out without wrecking and hurting all of them. It's just, it's that kind of picture, this brashness or... or of, I don't know, I can't really describe it, but it's just what the master seems to be saying about his servants. You don't understand. So I think there's a real warning here for us if we want to sort of get our charge on, start holy crusading kind of thing, um, out of our brashness to, um, and, and probably our eager and overzealous desire to do maybe the right thing, we can really be doing some damage here by ripping out young wheat. Man, that's to say... That was something that I saw and mm, I'm still trying to work through that, exactly what that means. So let's talk about it later if you've got thoughts on it. Um, The other answer from the master in this last half of his response is the crux point actually that I think we're going to get to in that problem of answering why is there evil in this world, in this kingdom. Um, And he says, um, where does he say it? Yeah, he says, let both grow together until the harvest. Hmm. So why is evil allowed to exist? 
Why is evil allowed to exist? Because the master wants his crop to grow well. Now, I'm going to try and answer this. We'll develop a bit of a picture on this using a, um, an anal- another farming analogy. But this isn't, this will probably fall short because it's not a Jesus parable. But it's my own analogy from um, my own experience sort of growing up as an adolescent. I got really thirsty today. Okay, so I grew up in a uh, like sort of a, a, like an agricultural kind of town, um, about fifty thousand sort of people. I don't want to name it because it might you will know anyway. But if other other people don't know, I don't want to like sort of incriminate this town. Um, Sugarcane used to be its main sort of uh, what do we say? Sort of lifeblood, really. Um, Massive swathes of land through this town are just dedicated to sugarcane farms. We're all familiar with what sugarcane is? It's where we get our sugar in Australia, anyway. We don't get it from beets <laughs> or corn or whatever the states get theirs from. Um, but sugarcane probably goes to about two, two and a half sort of meads. It's like this big grass. It's very stalky. It's got very sweet sort of um, juice that comes out of it when it's crushed. Anyway, huge swathes of the land was dedicated to um, sugarcane farms. A lot of my mum's side of the family are all sugarcane farmers. I had lots of friends growing up whose family um, were sugarcane farmers or lived next to sugarcane farms. Like, they are everywhere. This town, my childhood town, is not only famous for that, though. It's a bit of a low socio town. So around the fringes of the community, there's a lot of gateway drugs. Marijuana is a big one, okay? Lots of marijuana grown there. Now, if you're a marijuana grower, you could grow it in your backyard. You could. And you could run the risk of, you know, the cops busting you, knocking your door down, finding it, or you're growing too high and then your neighbour's seeing it and then dobbing you in or whatever. So what a, a lot of the smarter, in air quotes, um, marijuana growers in my hometown, are, um, they, would, they would go into sugarcane fields when the, the cane has been um, planted new, like the little stalks, they, it's, it's just sort of buried in the dirt and then the, um, like out of a little bud in the stalk out comes the sugarcane. So after a field has been um, freshly planted, they'd go in, so they'd look at a field, and they'd count the number of rows up and the number of steps into the field. And in that area, they'd plant their marijuana plants. Okay? And they would, um, you know, they'd, they'd take note of their numbers, how many rows in, how many steps in, and that's all they'd do. And then they'd leave under the cover of darkness. And then that's it. They can sort of have maximum deniability of that field. And their crop is completely taken care of. It gets watered, it gets fertilised, um, it, it grows at about the same rate as sugarcane, so it remains competitive for sunlight and all these different things. And so all they then have to do is when their crop's ready, they go to the field again, they count how many rows back, they walk in through the, the row and they harvest their buds. Problem though, sugarcane fields are really dangerous places like full of 
sort of dry leaves um, that, that fall off the sugar cane as it grows. Rats, mice love living in there. And because there's rats and mice, in go snakes, like huge snakes, carpet snakes, taipans, brown snakes. They love living in sugarcane fields. For this reason, um, sugarcane farmers light the fields on fire as they're, you know, just as they're about to harvest, and the fire is huge. You've probably seen them on advertising brochures for my hometown. Um, and you, it, there's it's this huge flames. It kind of looks like a bushfire. They're massive. They're big, intense fires, and they just rage through the field and destroy everything in there. And then once the fire has gone out, um, which is only like a matter of minutes, all that you see is just these burnt stalks of the sugar cane standing up. Like you can almost see through the field there. You know, everything's pretty much gone except these stalks. And then the harvesters come in, or back in the old days, you know, they used to hand harvest it, whatever. And that, then that's, that's taken. All that's left of that whole field is just these stalks. Just the bits that the farmer wants to harvest and send away back to the, to the mill for crushing, for sweet, sweet, good sugar, and molasses, and golden syrup, and the famous white bear rum. Anyway, so... Um, that is the situation of a marijuana grower in my hometown, okay, in a cane field, the cuckoo marijuana farmers, let's call them. Now, the cane farmer, the good law-abiding cane farmer, he does not want pot growing in his field, does he? He doesn't want it. If the police find it there, like it's on his property and he doesn't know who planted it, like, Maybe, maybe he could be incriminated. He doesn't want it. But does he then, you know, set fire to the crop when it's little just to get rid of it? Just to be on the safe side? If he sees some nefarious-looking characters sneaking out of his field at night, does he then go, oh, I bet there's marijuana growing in my field. I better burn it. And goes out there and burns it. Does he do that? <laughs> He doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. He doesn't go and he doesn't go and set the whole crop alight. Okay. He waits. He lets it grow, while his cane around gets bigger and thicker. Its sugar content increases. Okay. It's sucking in all that water. It's sucking in all that nutrients. It's getting to that prime sugar content, and then he sends his fire through. And it clears out everything. It clears out those rats. It clears out the, all the leaves and all the trash. It clears out all the um, snakes. It cleans out all the marijuana farmers, if they were in there at the time. <laughs> it cleans out all the weed, all the weeds, including the marijuana. Okay, it burns out everything, but it just leaves what the farmer's after in his field. Okay. So, do we sort of see that picture? Does it tie in? Why are weeds allowed to remain? Why does God still allow this evil to exist in his field, in his good kingdom? Why does he allow it? Because he's waiting for his kingdom to grow. Okay, it's still not at that point. It's still growing. He's still getting fruit on it. He's waiting for the perfect time when he then will say, hey, let's go. Let's, it's harvesting time. 
out with the weeds. Get, let's get rid of this evil. Let's, kill, let's burn it. Let's destroy it forever. Okay, let's do it. Okay, so there's going to come a time in the good kingdom when that's going to happen. Okay? But as that guy from Gladiator would say, but not yet. Okay? So in this meantime, there's this delay between the planting and the harvesting. And to relate it to the kingdom, there's this delay between the cross and Jesus' resurrection and this amazing coming day of the Lord when Jesus comes back and he makes everything right. Okay? So that's where, that's where we're sort of in this between. Now, notice though, this wheat, the, the wheat in this field, um, it's surrounded by weeds, yet what's it still doing? It's still growing, it's still bearing fruit. That's us. You're like if you, if you claim to be one of Jesus' people in his kingdom, you're one of these stalks of wheat or sugarcane or whatever in this field, your job is to bear fruit. It's what, it's, it's what your job is, okay? Despite the weeds. So this is the thought that then came to me. Talk, like, so I'll relate this back to our, our anxiety story that, 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 that Camille and I have at, at the moment that we're struggling through. Um, Camille and I, as wheat plants in this kingdom, our job is to bear fruit around, despite of this weed that's there, okay? This weed of anxiety, our job is still to bear fruit around it. Now, even as, I was, even as that point came to me, like I was sitting in my car one lunchtime and I remember I'm just like, oh yeah, well, yeah, okay. Just got to get on with doing fruit. <laughs> and as that thought came to me, Camille, even like a text message came through from Camille and this is just so, this was so great timing. Text message came through from Camille. She would, she'd been talking on the phone to Open Doors, which was, she was talking about like, her financial commitment to them or something. And um, old mate on the phone just said, look, I feel like I should pray for you about something. Isn't that how it went, babe? Um, oh, mate, he's the guy on the phone. He's just like, I feel like I'm meant to pray for you about something. Did he mention anxiety or did you mention it? I yeah, okay, so you... T- yeah. That's what it was, yeah. So Camille then opened up to him and he said, oh, wow, similar situation. Like my wife struggles with it as well. So that was really awesome. He was able to pray with her over the phone and Camille was like really encouraged about that. So I, was, I took a lot of comfort in that actually and just, just the timing, God's timing around these things was amazing. So in light of that, in, sort of, in light of knowing this, how does this, like how do we live? Like, how do we go out into the world and how does this change us? Um, Because I know in my life, there are many ways that I act and I behave and the things I say that sort of show that I don't truly believe that Jesus' ways um, actually work and win in this kingdom, in in, uh, that, that that Jesus' ways and works that we're called to in his kingdom, I, I find myself, there's some things that I do that I show off that I don't really believe that they actually work. And I think the situation, I'm hoping I'm not alone here, I think the situation for a lot of us is the fact that our actions and things, we don't truly believe that the ways of Jesus' kingdom, the things that he's laid out in like the Sermon of the Mountain stuff, the way, the example of Jesus' life, we don't actually believe 
it'll work in the kingdom. Do you sort of see, do you understand what I'm saying? Let me explain a little bit. Um, because see, in our, in our Christian country, Christian country, um, well, let's just say in our country, because it's fast becoming very non-Christian, um, Christianity has sort of become all about a bit of a power game. It's all about, you know, um, which political parties in power, which sporting celebrities going to win their freedom of speech case, yeah, like which abortion, which euthanasia, which, you know, same-sex marriage um, things get passed. It's all become about that. And us as Christians, like us as Jesus followers, we, we get dragged into those sidelines, those, we get t- dragged into those, and that, that sort of taking sides disciples us, and then we buy into, and then we sort of perpetuate this motion that this broken world lives on of just aggression and, and taking sides. And oh man, I just, think, I just see so much of us, we just get dragged into the anger game and the blame game and the pointing fingers and the struggling for power over other people instead of just living with our world, living in this field, living here and just challenging it and just embodying a better way, just following Jesus' kingdom's ways through like what he's taught us by his example of his life and through teaching his Sermon on the Mountain, all those sorts of things. See, our example is a king who came into his city, not on like a giant stallion with like full armor or everything on it. All right, he came in on a donkey. Okay? And then he, he then knelt down to wash the dirt and muck and manure, probably who knows what sort of stuff, off the, foot, off the feet of his trader, the guy that was going to like betray him. He, he washed all that stuff off that guy's feet. And then he was crowned by having thorns jammed into his head. And then as he was enthroned, he was just lifted up naked, bloodied, beaten, bruised on a cross. That was his, Jesus' enthronement. So he's our example. That's our example. Why, why do we buy into the world stuff and try and copy it? See, I, I, want, I want to know if we really believe that the ways of like, reconciliation and just the ways of forgiveness and humility and you know, not getting our own back, not fighting and, and, and digging our heels in over our rights and different things, being gracious to people that in our flesh we just hate. We can't stand those people. But if we be gracious to them, like, and blessing and just and praying for those people who are persecuting our foreign brothers and sisters. Hey, I, I just wonder if, the, if we really truly believe that this slow, subtle, subversive way of the kingdom of God is actually going to work in our field. I wonder if we truly believe that. And do we believe that just those that beautiful example that Jesus gave us and just those words and the teachings that he gave us of how to live in this world will actually win through in this world? And then we can just leave the rest, leave that crop, harvesting, the weeding, everything up to God. Okay? We just do what we're meant to do, just grow in this field and bear fruit. There is evil around us. And um, let's look forward to that great, mighty day of the Lord, the coming of Jesus.
Hey Ben, can I just um, share something real quick? Yes mate, absolutely. I wrote a song a while back, pretty much mirroring what you've just spoken about. Can I just share it as a poem? Yeah. yeah. Going yep. 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 Do you want to come out here mate? Do you, I'll, I'll give you the microphone. microphone. No, I don't need the microphone. It's okay. just that idea of, um, I guess that dynamic, what you spoke about in the kingdom of losing as yep. part of our growth. And we don't like that. And um, anyway, because it just seems like when we give ground to things that we disagree with or things like that, that somehow we're letting God down or we've got to, like you said, dig our heels in anyway. So I don't know if this will speak to you guys, but this is just something that um, I'll just read it. It's called Die to Win. Time's up. We are all surrounded. Make the most of the final hours. They come with their mighty weapons while we wait with no defences. <coughs> And the chorus goes, Taking the punches one by one, you won't forget what we have done. Holding the gun up to our head, you won't forget the words we said. Try and explain the strength inside. Many have sung while they have died. Love is the greatest comeback king. We never run and hide. We die to win. Mm. Verse 2, You can't take what has been given. When I'm gone, please, will you finally listen? You can't kill what has been risen. And he calls for you. He calls for you. Taking the punches one by one, you won't forget what we have done. Holding the gun up to our head, you won't forget the words we said. Try and explain the strength inside. Many have sung while they have died. Love is the greatest comeback king. We never run and hide. We die to win. I just see that picture so clearly in Jesus. Like, yes, he had plenty of times where he spoke so clearly and strongly and rebuked people like, but yet but most of the time it was him giving of himself and ultimately doing that on the cross when he could have just dug his heels in and anyway I just think that picture of dying is just and, and yet this victory coming out of that is just so prominent and just what you've said this morning just with that that picture of that struggle living with the weeds maybe feeling like a weed sometimes when you're being an idiot um so yeah i just so i much. just wanted to bless people with that yeah thanks tim that's awesome